if parenthood came with a GPS, it would most likely just say recalculating. Join Yulandi Becker and her guest experts Wednesdays at 11 a.m. for Bump and Beyond, the show about pregnancy and babies, 101.9 megahertz of life. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and happy Women's Day. Isn't it such a privilege? It's such a beautiful day in Gauteng, first of all, and as a woman, superbly privileged to be able to speak to you today um, because it wasn't always like this, that we can do things like this. So we have to celebrate the fact of where we are and where we've come from. There's still lots of fights to be fought for our um, rights in equality. As my husband always says, as us as women, we should stop fighting for equality and we should rather fight for superiority. We've been behind for long enough and we should start being ahead, I feel. Anyway, on that note, Women's Day, of course, marks the anniversary of the Great Women's March of 1956, where women marched to the union buildings to protest against carrying of passbooks. Um, 20,000 women marched to the union buildings, and they had more than 100,000 signatures um, to protest against legislation aimed at tightening the apartheid government's control over the movement of black women in urban areas. These were the real... You know, if I'm thinking about the fights we have to fight, we have to be so grateful for these women who paved the path for us um, because it's magnificent. I mean, if you're thinking what we're fighting for, it's not nearly something as hectic as that. So take a moment today to be grateful for where we are at. Um, But yes, more on that of being grateful and how to be a woman and segueing from something very serious to something a little bit lighter is that I mentioned to you last week that I was planning on going to watch the Barbie movie. Um, and to be honest, <laughs> I did watch it and I did love it. <laughs> it was wonderful to go with my daughter. And absolutely, I mean, it's also a silly movie that I definitely have to say. But I mean, for women and how it stands for, it really made me feel... Uh, it warmed my heart. Um, and I, a couple of times, and I will share a monologue with you a little bit later, um, about it. And it's hard to be a woman, but it is such a beautiful thing as well. So a shout out to all the women out there today, um, celebrating this with us. My, my son, we were, me and my daughter went on so much about the movie that he is actually going to watch the movie with his friends. He's too cool to watch it with his mom. Um, <laughs> and he's now on his own going. And yeah, because he's getting older now. And to be honest, more and more, I realize that I'm becoming less and less a part of his life. I'm not going to go into all the details of what has happened. I'm pretty sure you would not appreciate it. <laughs> um, but again, um, yes, I am one of those people who really believe that we have to obviously raise children and ra- raise independent. We don't have to raise children. We have to create independent people, <laughs> people who can function independently and on their own and take care of themselves eventually. But while that is happening, it is really, really hard. And I actually cried a little bit this week when I was like realizing, it's like, oh my word, 
the one thing we can't stop is the growth. Even though we celebrated and I'm happy that he's growing up and that he is having this, I can't help but also feel sad. And I had a similar feeling or conversation with another mom that I'm helping to get her um, uh, parents or her children to, or her daughter to sleep better. Um, she actually, um, her daughter's 13 months and they were co-sleeping up until this point, but she's realized now it's time for baby or toddler to move to their own room. And she had a similar experience where it was just like, um, I know it's the right thing to do, but it's so hard realizing they're growing up. But that brings me to our conversation today, the the inevitable growth and development of our children. Yes, of course, we're happy, but we're also sad about it. But development is inevitable. Like I said, our kids will grow up. Um, how well they'll grow up, there is obviously things to, to ask about that. And that's exactly what the conversation is about today. From one powerful woman to another, I introduce <laughs> occupational therapist Corinne Krier. Um, I'm really, I have to give a little bit of a shout out to her today because honestly, women entrepreneurs should be celebrated. Um, I don't always do this, um, but on purpose, because it's Women's Day, I feel like I have to read the full kind of bio here today. She's a qualified occupational therapist with more than 15 years of experience in the field of pediatrics. During the first three years of her daughter Mia's life, and I, that's actually when I kind of met her at the end of that period, or maybe while she was still doing it, she developed and conceptualized an educational program called Mama Mia. It's, it's an app that you can download. You should do it. Um, the Mama Mia Child Development app has been voted as number one favorite app by leading baby magazines and promoted by Diskim baby clinics nationwide. Corinne's passion to inspire and equip parents to raise their children with confidence. Ah, hello, Corinne. <laughs> hello, Yolani. This is such an honor to be here uh, today. Thank you for inviting me. Like I said, I'm just privileged that it's on Women's Day because that was also funny when I initially told you, it's like, please join me. I said, oh, it's a public holiday, and I knew it was Women's Day, but in some ways I also didn't know. But I thought, oh, wow, it fits in nicely to have you on the show, so I'm happy that you're here. So thank you for joining me today. So like I mentioned, for me, it's inevitable development, obviously. Um, our children are going to get be better, but it is that bittersweet or double-edged short that is parenting all the time, hey? I think that's what makes it so hard is that it's always those conflicting emotions that we're dealing with, um, sometimes like completely opposing conflicting emotions. Like you're happy, but you're also sad or angry. You love being a mom, but you also hate it sometimes. It's really difficult sometimes. So true. So true. <laughs> And um, and that's what I'm saying. I really had that moment this uh, week. And I, like I said, I even had some tears coming out where I'm just like, why? Why does he have to grow up? I'm not, I don't feel I'm so ready yet. But I mean, it's 12, almost 13 years coming. So I guess I shouldn't be too surprised. <laughs> How are you feeling about your, because your kids are also a little bit Corinne is also a mother of two, as you all know. I love interviewing parents. 
Yeah, you know, I think I agree with you 100%. I think the weight of the responsibility that we feel as parents is such a big burden, but it's also a wonderful burden. So it's, it is that uh, complete contradiction. But for me, you know, I've just embraced that, um, that saying of Jill Churchill. She said, there's no way to be a perfect parent, but a million ways to be a really good one. And whenever I'm battling with this conflict inside of me, I'm just like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. We just take the good with the bad and we just enjoy everything. <laughs> you yeah, know, and I mean, that's, I, I mean, that's the best attitude to have, I feel as well. And I mean, I think, I don't know if it ever gets easier parenting that I have to say. Um, but there is things that you learn that you realize, especially when you realize that, you know, like that other saying that they have, the days are long, but the years are short. And when you blink your eyes, a, a part of it's gone. And you just remember, you know, like following all those things so intensely, their growth and all the things that stressed you out. And then all of a sudden, you know, you sit with a nine and 11 year old and you're like, how did that happen? <laughs> and yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not going to go um, slower um, soon. But I'm very much looking forward to our conversation just after this. This is Bump and Beyond with Yolandi Becker, the show about pregnancy and babies, 101.9 megahertz of life. If you've just joined us, you are on 101.9 High FM. I am Yolandi Becker, your host for Bump and Beyond, and we are, as always, we're talking parenting. Today, specifically, we're talking the inevitable growth and development of our children. And I've got the wonderful Corinne Krier, who is an occupational therapist and mom of two. And as we mentioned, Corinne, yes, development, well, as we said, and growth is inevitable. And even though it's something I think we worry about quite significantly, especially in the beginning, it's like, are they on par? And I mean, isn't that the most horrible thing? Parents comparing with other parents and, and it's funny for me that we are like that because I'm not, I mean, maybe I am sitting here thinking your hair looks much better than mine, but <laughs> you know, I know that there's people who are faster than me and people who are shorter than me and those type of things, but it bothers me less. But let's start with firstly, before we get into that uh, uh, horrible comparison, what are developmental milestones? So, you know, the milestones, I like to compare milestones with building blocks. And we all sometime in our life has played with Lego blocks. And if you have that picture in your mind of sitting down and building a little Lego house and putting the one block on top of the other and how you have to structure those blocks to fit in nicely so that you have a strong foundation with a strong house, that's kind of the picture that I see in my mind when I think about milestones. Milestones are building blocks of development that build on top of each other to eventually help a child to reach their potential. Mm. And if there are little building blocks missing, if you missed certain milestones, then whatever comes on top of that milestone is going to be a little bit wonky. And that's what happens when children, normal developing children, develop developmental delays. And that's when they get to me as an OT, when I are in grade one or grade two, and they really struggle with certain scholastic functioning. That's because somewhere down the line, right at the bottom, when they were one or two years old, 
there were certain milestones that they missed. And those building blocks are now missing. And as an OT, that's my job to go and find those missing building blocks and help the child to develop them and then place them in that correct spot so that we have a strong foundation to build on. So in a nutshell, when you think about milestones, think about building blocks. I love that. And I mean, to be honest, um, both my kids went to an OT. Oscar really needed to go um, initially for various reasons. He was also, I've always said he was one of those lanky, tall kids always, and he couldn't control his movement so nicely. He always looked like he was flailing about <laughs> when he was moving. And it really helped him to kind of, I don't know, like body awareness, I would say, was the kind of uh, thing it helped with. And he loved OT so much. It was funny that he, and I mean, he saw it as an activity that he was doing, you know, like football or whatever. So much so that when my daughter, when she started, uh, it wasn't started school, but started at this specific place as well. Then she, I was asking her, I was like, so what activities do you want to do this year? And then she's like, I want to do OT. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so she actually did it, but more because she wanted to do it. Not necessarily that it was, but I do have to say that even as an adult, I feel that I actually should have had OT when I was young. So when people are opposed to OT, I'm always like, how are you? This is like such a necessary thing, I feel, for children, especially how they're growing up. But, you know, we've also all heard it before that, like I said, that foundation needs to be strong. And often it's referred to um, that they say those first thousand days of a child's life. Um, what is that and why is it so important? Yes. So the first thousand days is basically the first three years of a child's life. And you know, a lot of times when I speak to parents, they will tell me that, you know, what can you do for development for, for those early years, especially when you have a little newborn or three-month-old or six-month-old? Like, what can they do? Like, they can just eat and sleep and, you know, do their yeah. business. <laughs> yeah. We are allowed to say poop on this show. I've confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, those are the, those, that's what parents, they know, that's what they kind of have envisioned. So they don't realize that little babies, little infants have a, a tremendous capacity to learn. And if we help them to learn in those early years, then obviously we set them up for successful life. And the reason why we have to invest in that early years, we actually call it the golden years of development, those first thousand days, is because 80% of a child's neuron connections are formed in the brain within those first three years of life. That means the more connections you can help your child to develop in those first three years of life, the more you can help your child to um, develop the way the brain works together. So problem solving will be easier. Memory will be easier. Just the way the brain operates in motor function and sensory function will improve because there are more brain connections. You are actually increasing the child's capacity in his brain to absorb what he is um, exploring around in the world and to absorb that information. So the more you invest in those first three years, you are setting, physically setting your child up for success for the rest of his life. And I've seen that in my own household, 
how um, by investing in Mia in those first three years has set her up. She's now grade one and I can see the fruits of those early interventions. Um, and uh, and it's not like it's a difficult thing to do or, you know, that I think that's the, the great thing about early intervention. Um, it's got a big word, but it's very, very easy and it basically encapsulated in play. And if we can encourage parents to play in a way that is stimulating their children, then you are doing the right thing. So this is not hard and that's why I am so passionate about speaking to parents about this topic because if we can empower them, they can know how to harness these golden years of development. I mean, I mean, honestly, you can see and hear the passion for what we're talking about. And if you've just joined us, you are on 101.9 High FM. This is Bump and Beyond, and I'm your host, Yulani Becker, speaking to occupational therapist Corinne Krier about the development and the importance of development for our children and as she mentioned, interventions and things that we can do with our children. And we're going to get into that a little bit more. Of course, as always, I do want you to be part of this conversation. I know your child is growing all the time and we just heard how important those first thousand days are. So send us your questions or comments. Of course, you can phone us on 010-140-3020. You can send us a telegram on 061-895-1019 or a SMS on 34519. SMSs are charged at 150. If you are so inclined and you have an email um, uh, or you want to email us, you can, of course, also email us on instudio at highfm.com. Let us know how you feel about your child's development, if you have a comment or anything like that, or even if you just want to, Share with me that you've also watched the Barbie movie and that you also loved it. I would also wouldn't mind that comment either. <laughs> but I don't feel alone at all in that journey. There is thousands of people, millions of people who've watched it. Anyway, so Karine, you now mentioned the importance of the the, the, thou, the first thousand days, and you also mentioned that that obviously it's easy, according to you, to add with these type of things. What are some of the the activities or things that we can do with our kids? Um, I know you mentioned play, but I mean, I mean, it's different to play with a three months old and to play with a three year old. <laughs> well, so I think the most important thing, and that's kind of where my whole journey with development started, is to actually just engage with my child to spend time with my child and to observe my child, especially when they are small. So they have certain interests. They have certain things that they are drawn to at specific ages. So when, you're, when you've got a little baby, uh, three months old, they um, like to be on the floor. They'll look around at objects. They'll maybe reach out and try to mouth something. That is development. That is play for them. That's how play looks for them. And for you as a parent to just encourage that instead of giving them a little toy, maybe put it just a little bit out of reach so that they can stretch and grab hold of it. That's muscle development. It's so easy, but we just don't think about it that way. Um, even if we just look at communication, for example. I mean, you will think that my baby will only start to communicate when they are maybe one or just over one year old because when they start to say their first word or maybe try to communicate a point, but it happens 
way fucking infancy when your baby starts looking at your face and engaging with with the way you your expression excites them and then when they start to laugh and touch your face that's all part of communication and when they, when they have a little babble word, cuckoo gaga, and, and you, you talk back to, you know, you, you give something when they give something. That's communication for them. That's and what I mean, they do. Like, even with us as adults, um, that, uh, what, it's something like 70% of our communication is actually non-verbal. Yes. So they're already doing it for sure. They're definitely doing that. And I think the, the great thing about development is normal development is normal development. It's unique. Um, and I've got lots of parents um, asking me the question, should I child? Should I, you know, develop him? And it's kind of almost as if they think that if they develop their child and they stimulate them, that they are trying to push them too far ahead. Uh, but it's not that. Um, if you, if your um, motto is to interact and play with your child, then development becomes the little cherry on top. It will automatically happen just by you engaging, interacting, and playing with your child. And it doesn't need to be all day. I mean, little babies can only, like, take five minutes or so of of uh, stimulation. They can't have a lot of input, you know. It, it, it becomes a little bit more when they, go, when they get older. But it's those little increments of time that you just connect with them and engage with them. And that is enough. Um, so... That's what I was talking about, the weight of parenting. We think that we need to do lots of things and we need to yeah. buy expensive equipment to stimulate our children. It's not that. It's play. It's playful interaction. That is the main thing. Yeah. And I mean, I love that. And I mean, it does make me also, I have to say, sometimes when I interview experts and I'm like thinking, oh my word, luckily I did that. Or sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe could have done that better. In this case, I feel a little bit relieved, I have to say. But you also now mentioned specifically also normal development. And as I started the conversation, I said to you that I think that's also one of our favorite things as parents is that, you know, especially when they're small and you're going to those pink food cluster and um, which is great. And I mean, it's fantastic to do those type of things, but you're often inclined because then you're sitting there and there's a three month old, your three month old and the right across from you, another three month old or a five month old that's already sitting and yours is falling over. And then this one is already crawling and yours is not. And is that a good thing or a bad thing to have those? What is normal? Let's start with what is normal development? Yeah, so I think, let me answer your, your second question. Sure. I think it, it's good and bad. I think it's both. Yes. Because when you look at um, a peer of your child, somebody that's the same age, and you see that your child is not doing the same as this child, I think the first thing that you need to ask yourself is, is my child maybe, that is not maybe my child's strength. Remember, we are not having little robots. No. <laughs> they also have... Things that they are better. Some children are much better than, in communication than they are in uh, muscle development. That will come later. Maybe their strength is communication. And then they will talk better, but maybe they will walk later. No. And that is okay. So I think that's the first thing. Um, be, be okay with the fact that your child maybe has different strengths than another child. No. But I think what is important is 
it will give you a good guideline of what your baby is supposed to be doing or developing towards. Yes. So if you have, for example, this is uh, this is one example that happened right in front of me. My little girl, um, she, she uh, she's very good in communication, so she did speak much sooner than other children. But she once had a friend come to visit her from uh, overseas. And this little baby didn't speak at all, but they were exactly the same age. And Mia was talking sentences, and this child was like not even saying words. And when the mom saw him, immediately she was like, well, something's wrong. And then I said to her, maybe just go and test the ears. Maybe she's not hearing the words correctly. And she went, she tested the uh, little baby's ears, and there were plugs in the ears. And they removed the plugs, and within two weeks, she was saying sentences. So, you know, she couldn't hear the words properly, and yes. that's why she wasn't producing the words properly. So I think there's good and bad. I think comparing is not good, but I think to use it as a guide is to just be aware of, okay, my child is maybe struggling with this. I must maybe just give a little bit more attention to this area. And if there is a problem, then let's address it. You know, use it as a positive rather than a negative. Yeah. Uh, but never push your child. For me, that's a, a no-go. Is to push yeah. my child ahead of what they're supposed to do. So that's why I think milestones is such a wonderful guide. You know, your baby doesn't need to walk at 10 months. It's okay if they only start walking from 12 to 18 months because that's kind of the guideline for when oh. your baby is supposed to walk. But if your baby's two years old and he's still not walking, Maybe it's a good thing then to go and see a pediatrician because you'll see, oh my goodness, everybody's babies are walking, but mine is not walking. So maybe there is a bit of low muscle tone and then we can address the low muscle tone and it's okay and your baby will walk. So I think it's a, it's a, for me, it's a good thing, but I think parents are using it sometimes for the bad and pushing their children, which obviously we don't agree with, but don't see it as a negative. Um, no. You know, look at the information you've got and act on it. And I mean, it's like th this comparison also. And I mean, it's nice that you also mentioned that, that some kids are just better at certain things than other, uh, than other yes. things. And I think also even with developmental milestones, it's never like at five months your child has to do it. It's always kind of like a from four to six months or from yes. seven to 12 months. So there's a little bit of a parameter as well, because it is and where you kind of um, can um, start getting concerned as well. But even just with my own children, I have to say I could see that direct co comparison. Like, for instance, Oscar as well, my my eldest, he um, for sure also, like yours, had a very good communication skills and he really started speaking very early. Um, and um, and I, it was something I was actually a little bit worried about because we were speaking so many languages in our house. I was a little bit worried that it was going to be delayed. But yeah, um, I also speak so much. It's actually weird if you don't speak <laughs> a lot in my household. But anyway, so he's always, he actually really did start speaking. And then my daughter was not at all like that. But she started walking because Oscar only started walking around, I would say, 14, 15 months. And um, Amy already starts. She was one of those, like, I need to get up. These people are stop carrying me around. I need to start moving around. And it was already like 10 months. It was crazy how quickly she started walking. And that was not the case with Oscar. So it's, like I said, it is also different, those type of things. But it is also, as you mentioned, sometimes necessary to realize that there might be something that you can change that could actually help with the development. So it's not, it's good and yeah, good. 
in, I would say it's just good to check and you should see it in a positive way. But then as well, earlier as well, you mentioned, um, it's building blocks that that builds onto. And one of the things that I remember very specifically, someone also telling me, and it actually freaked me out a little bit because Oscar wasn't a, a great crawler, for instance. Um, he almost immediately went to walking. He didn't crawl for a very long time. Uh, uh, no, it was the other eye around was Emmy because Oscar obviously crawled for a very long time because it took so long to start walking. But then I was really paranoid about it. And lots of people say that it's important that kids crawl and whatever. Um, so let's start... We're going to go into that because first we have to now take a break. <laughs> this is Bump and Beyond with Yolandi Becker, the show about pregnancy and babies. 101.9 megahertz of life. If you've just joined me, I am Yolandi Becker and this is Bump and Beyond. I am chatting with Corinne Krier, occupational therapist and mom of two about development and before we went um to our ad break and heard a whole bunch of great ads i have to mention um we were speaking specifically about crawling um and if it is important for um for babies to crawl um because you mentioned earlier that it is like building blocks that kind of build on each other and if you miss one it can be a little bit wobbly and as i mentioned to you um, crawling was always something like everyone's like, your baby has to crawl. And I was nervous about it. <laughs> yeah, so crawling is a very important building block. Um, and there is reasons for that. I think um, just in terms of exploring the world, that's great. So, you know, you're on a certain level, eye level. So you see the world differently when you're crawling than when you are standing up. So that's great for just developing perception and knowing how how will I climb under, how will I uh, move around in that specific level of field. So I think that's the first thing that crawling is really important. So it's just being on a different level than actually walking. So in terms of your visual perception. And then the other thing is um, that we have to look at when you crawl, you use your limbs in a very specific way. So number one, you're putting pressure on your limbs, on your knees, on your hands, through your um, wrists and through your elbows and through your shoulders that you're not doing when you're walking. And giving that input to your, especially your upper limbs, is extremely important for what we call in therapy lingo, proprioception. And proprioception is your ability to understand how your limbs move in specific fields of your body. So just being aware that if your hand is, for example, behind your back, that it's actually behind your back, just that awareness of where your limbs are, even though you're not seeing them. Specifically. Mm. So if I close my eyes and I put my one limb in a specific way, will I be able to put my other limb in the same way without actually looking at my limb? <laughs> That's proprioception, understanding oh. how your limbs, where they are and how they move. And you get that feedback from your joints by compressing and you get that by crawling. So that's one reason also why crawling is very important. The other thing is bilateral integration. So, so that's your ability for your hands and your arms and your legs to move in coordination with each other. And that's very important for when you are older and you're in school, for example, to cut. 
you have to hold your paper with one hand and you have to cut with your other hand so you the one limb is doing something completely different than your other limb but they are working in conjunction and it's crawling that develops because you are crawling with your with your um your feet and your in your arms then you are balancing on your one hand picking up something putting it in your mouth <laughs> that's crawling or you're reaching and you're balancing so that goes together the whole balancing with um, bilateral integration and then also of course midline crossing because when you're crawling um, all over the show you are actually engaging your limbs crossing your midline reaching for different things putting them in your hand now you can't crawl with something in your hand now you have to think that's problem solving how am i going to get from here to here but i'm holding something in my hand but i have to I can't walk. I have to cross. Now, now that's problem solving. So you have to do something with this thing that you are holding in your hand. Either put it in your mouth and then crawl, or put it down and crawl. You know, babies, you you have to watch them to actually see how they are. Such a simple thing has become very complicated. Yes. So crawling develops a lot of things like that: midline crossing, bilateral integration, um, proprioception, muscle strength. Um, in the upper limbs, developing um, muscle tone and strengthening that muscle tone and giving that feedback to the body. No. So if you're not doing that, obviously if the baby is just getting up and walking, then you're missing out on those very important elements. But we are not going to tell our babies to go down and crawl if they are getting up to walk. They just won't. If they're walking, they're walking. So now, what now? It's very simple. You just play crawling games with your baby if they start walking sooner. So you'll roll a ball and you'll have a competition to see who is going to get to the ball first. But you are crawling with your baby. Or you are um, you are building some other obstacle course and yeah. you are crawling underneath little blankets and things. And you are making a game of the action of crawling. And that's how they get that feedback. So if your baby didn't crawl, don't get all upset. They're not missing out. Just make sure that you give them that stimulation through certain games that you play with them. So it's very easy to incorporate. Even if they're a little bit older and they didn't crawl, you can still go outside, do crawling games, let them build a house with blankets and then you crawl underneath it and, you know, just play with them because that's going to encourage them to crawl is if you actually go down on your knees and you play with it. Let's be a lion today. Let's walk on our knees or a bear and we do crawling like a bear and you know. So just engage, make it fun. Don't even talk about, oh, let's practice crawling. No, just play. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. And I mean, Corinne is also, you can see that um, the passion again about what you're talking about. And earlier you mentioned how easy it is to implement some of these things. But of course, you've made it even easier for parents. That I know as well. So um, the Mama Mia app is one of those things, how you've made it easier to kind of incorporate these things for parents. Tell us a little bit about what does the app do and what it's about. <laughs> Okay, so it's it, this is such an amazing story, actually, Yolani, because it just came out of my own need to to implement games with the knowledge that I've got. So as an OT, you've got all of this knowledge of how development works. And obviously, parents doesn't have that back end. They, they can go and search online, and there's lots of uh, amazing information online, but it doesn't give you a complete picture of development. It's kind of 
lose elements. Yeah. As an OT, you've got the full picture. And what I've done with the app is I've connected each building block. So if you see that Lego house, and each building block has a specific game attached to it. And that's what I've done. And as Mia grew up, I started when she was a little baby, and I observed her, and I watched her interest, and I, I um, gave her activities to see what works well with her specific age, what tickles her interests that she would like to engage with this game, but also then stimulate that specific building block that we need to develop now because that's age-appropriate. So we've, we've kind of did this whole <laughs> research, fun way of just learning and experimenting. And after all of that, we've pack, packaged these games in an app. So I've recorded Mia while she was playing and while we were doing these games, and we put it on an app so that we can encourage parents to follow it and obviously just um, play the games as they come up in terms of the age, uh, specific age-related um you know the baby that you've got. Yeah. Turn, so you put in your. Uh, uh, I'm chatting. Uh, I'm mixing up my words. Yeah, we're all going to get fed a little bit more just now. <laughs> this is Bump and Beyond with Yolandi Becker, the show about pregnancy and babies. One hundred and one point nine megahertz of life. And just like that, the show is very quickly coming to an end again. Thanks to Craig. I'm, t- I'm telling him every week I need more time. Anyway, um, it's been so wonderful, Corinne, also to chat with you about development and specifically also the passion, like I said, of what you're doing comes through. And you just mentioned to us how you were recording your own daughter um, while she was small and developing the app that you've created. Where can people find the Mama Mia app? <laughs> So yeah, you can please go and visit our website at www.mamamia. And that's not like Mama Mia, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> so it's mom, M-O-M-M-A, Mama, and then Mia, M-I-A, that's my little girl, dot C-O-Z-A, Mama Mia. And you can uh, read all about the app and go and check it out. Uh, it's really an amazing tool for parents to have just to help them on this development journey. And honestly, there is an app for every, there's a video for every single developmental stage and age of your child. It is a fantastic thing and tool to have. I wish um, actually Corinne did it a little bit earlier so that I could have it when my kids were small, but it is a fantastic app to use. So go download it now. Thank you so much, Corinne, for joining me. It was so wonderful to have you. Um, and just before you go, um, as moms and as women, I just wanted to share one little thing with you as part of Women's Day. As I mentioned, there was a little monologue in the Barbie movie that I found so amazing mm. and so and I wanted to share it with you as an ending off today because it's so hard to be a woman it is literally impossible to be a woman you are so beautiful and you're so smart and it kills me that you don't think you're good enough like we always have to be extraordinary but somehow we're always doing it wrong you have to be thin but not too thin You can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you're healthy, but you also have to be thin. You have to have money, but you can't ask for money because that's crass. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the damn time. 
you have to be a career woman, but also always be looking out for other people. You have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane. But if you point it out, you're accused of complaining. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not too pretty, that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be part of the sisterhood. But always stand out and always be grateful. But never forget the system is rigged. So find a way to acknowledge that, but always be grateful. You have to never get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. It's too hard. It's too contradictory. And no one gives you a medal or says thank you. And it turns out, in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong, but also everything is your fault. I am so tired of watching myself and every single other woman tie herself into knots so that people will like us. So if all of that is also true for a doll representing a woman, then I don't even know. Thank you so much for joining me today. The world is changed by our example, not by our opinion. Let's lead by example for our children. Thank you for joining me. Have a wonderful day.